0: It's May 30th, 2022, this is Rook. There. Welcome to episode 181 of Rook. I'm Gian Gomashi. Hope you're keeping well wherever you're tuning in from around the world. Hello to you from Toronto, from Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz, Durud Ba Shoma. Who do we have here today? Groovy Shaya. Hi, hello, yes, sir. Hi. Uh, hello, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. <laughs> and uh, from Washington, D.C., our editorial board member, journalists. Former BBC Persian Bureau Chief, current Director of Persis News, Mohammad Manzarpour. Hi, Mohammad.
1: Hi, guys. Good to be with you.
0: Well, he gets a long title. I don't do all of that for you guys. Have you notice that? <laughs> I
2: know. Well, that's because uh, we're replaceable. <laughs> <That's>, that is, <laughs> is not <laughs> true.
0: Not true at all. Uh, you're irreplaceable you, in sir. the uh, and and by the way, uh, Keon is off on a family matter yeah. today, so we're missing her. But um, good to have Mohammad in her stead. Hushang Tozi. So coming up, our feature guest, he's a renowned, deeply respected Iranian-American playwright, and actor, kind of a ubiquitous presence is, on TV yeah. and film screens. If you don't recognize his name, you've likely seen him. Homeland, Argo, Into the Night, as well as all his great theater work. So he's recently staged a really compelling play slash musical called The Silver Poet. Mm -hmm. This is portraying the story of love and sacrifice of Feridun Farahzad. And um, Feridun Farahzad, of course, was a singer, performer, poet, actor, yeah. Yeah. political scientist, <laughs> yeah. uh, opposition member, arguably the leading uh, TV and radio showman of Iran before the revolution. Um, and so Husheng plays Fereydun, and he's quite remarkable in the role. So we're going to talk about that, his life, his career, his own story of struggle and success. Husheng Tozi joining oh. me from Los Angeles in a little bit. I also wanted to say that I really want to talk about what's happening in dawn. I think I'd be remiss if we don't. Before we get to Husheng, uh, You know, it's really sad. It's frustrating, uh, enraging, another enraging situation in Iran again. We will get to that. But I thought we would start with some positive news uh, in the uh, Iranian diaspora. Um, is that you Muhammad? You you were receiving a message in response to our positive news. <laughs> it was. Can you so turn weird. off your yeah. turn off your notifications. Um, sure. Congratulations to Zar Amir yes. Ebrahimi. Yes. yes.
2: give it up. Give it up yeah. for another one for Iran. The
0: sound of three men clapping. <laughs> <laughs> it's a <Keon's> fault. It's <laughs> our right. fault, That's right. but <laughs> uh, Zar, uh, Zar Amir Ebrahimi uh, who won the best actress award at the prestigious Cannes Film Festival for her role as a journalist helping to catch a serial killer in this uh, thriller film called Holy Spider. Um, So this just happened on the weekend. Of course, if you're in Persian social media, you would have seen her face everywhere. It's a feel-good story. It's partly a feel-good story because she has quite a story. Oh, yeah. Being exiled from Iran. Yeah. She she ended up landing up in in, in France and wow. without speaking French and yeah
3: her her story actually I think Hollywood sooner or late they have to like
0: uh, do her story yeah yeah it's yeah. amazing yeah and and for a a broader global community that seems to be divided on on almost everything mm-hmm. yeah. um, including soccer games now mm-hmm. uh, Muhammad this seemed like a pretty universal moment of celebration for Iranians around the world.
1: Yes, uh, especially because it's a, um, it's a very iconic comeback story for nazar Amir Ibrahimi, who was ostracized um, in Iran uh, after uh, a vengeful lover published, uh, you know, uh, basically distributed footage of her, you know, in very intimate circumstances that led to what I can only imagine was horrific uh, social and even I guess uh, community um, uh, disrespect towards mm-hmm. this young lady yeah. who were, at a time was a um, up and coming actress in uh, on Iranian television. Uh, everybody thought that it, this was the end of her, but um, she's managed to uh reclaim her position in in arts in um in cinema obviously this was the uh the uh, the peak of her achievements after that uh incident and i think everybody loves her for that it's such a beautiful comeback story that everybody can um, resonate
0: with, and hopefully it's just the beginning. I mean, we will see yeah. a lot more of her. I, I suspect now that the the world's attention is on her for winning best actress at at Cannes, and and I, like like I said, I almost I'm I'm almost so. Um, scarred by how difficult it is for our community yeah. to get along that I was almost looking for like I was like wow are we really all getting behind this actress this I is know. such a great a great story um, Muhammad or, or Shia I don't know do you, do you have any idea how this is playing in Iran
1: well I know that uh, the media outlets uh, close to the regime are attacking the movie and uh, Miss Amir Ibrahimi Uh, Today there was a um, there was a kind of a campaign published by the forest news agency close to the IRGC asking people to sign up to a campaign uh, asking for the legal persecution of anyone who has been involved in this movie Uh, they um, they find the movie uh, very damaging to their image because it obviously depicts uh, a serial murderer who um, murdered more than 30 um, um, prostitutes in Iran, and he was being portrayed as a champion by the ultra-right, by the uh, religious right, and even after his arrest, there were calls for his uh, glorification, and uh, this movie has totally unveiled the the cruelty and the inhumanity of hardline religious dogma and how it impacts.
0: I'm guessing Iran, it seems like the government in Iran hasn't yet got the memo that trying to ban things, especially on the international stage, will only draw more attention yeah. to it, right? I mean, it's like, just say nothing, and maybe this movie doesn't have the same kind of <laughs> impact. What were you going to say, Shaya, about the the way, the reaction to...
3: Actually, exactly what Mohammed said, like the the media close to the regime, they were like threatening people that we we are coming for you, who, who helped this yeah. movie, yeah, so it's... Yeah.
2: And in a lot of- le- religious part of part of iran that that kind of like ideology may work, but overall it's not only a comeback story but it's achieving the odds of like certain impossibilities. She won the can best like no matter how successful she would have been in iran like of of course like accolades and money and all of that but still there are a lot of a lot of great and successful Iranian actresses in Iran mm-hmm. that are working, mm-hmm. yet they don't have that. That award, they're not Best Actress at Cannes, and that's that's yeah. big. Well, I that's, should add
0: as well that she, she didn't just, I mean, people, Iranians tend to be aware of her story, or at least they are now, but she didn't just win this Best Actress award, which, um, of course, is prestigious, but most people, including us, yeah. will not have seen the film yet. 100%, right? yeah. But it was in her acceptance speech. That she also mm-hmm. really galvanized uh, um, support around the world because um, she talked about her love for Iran. This is a woman who's been exiled and basically sent out of Iran, as as Mohammed um, said, in terms of because of the circumstances that took place. Um, working on a film, winning an award for a film that it, that isn't um, that people will not get to see in Iran, and she said, "My heart is with Abadan." Yeah, no, you know, so she took this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, arguably the only chance you're going to get at that kind of world stage you know um, hopefully she gets more chances at the oscars or whatever it is but um, to 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 do a shout out to abaddon and and um, I know that meant a lot to a lot of people around the world and we'll talk about um abaddon but again congratulations to Zad Amir Ebra- Ebrah I keep go. saying Ebrahimi <laughs> I am so I don't want I'm sure she's listening so I don't want to get it wrong <laughs> yes um, but, uh, <laughs> we are coming to you on rook media Com. It's there that you can link to all of our platforms and we're on this ongoing mission to build a new audio visual encyclopedia of Iranian di- diaspora identity. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, CastBox. If you like to see visuals, if you like to watch what you're hearing, switch over to YouTube or check us out on Instagram. And if you like your descriptions and bulletins in both English and Persian, check us out on Telegram. A big thanks to Katty Cobandi Immigration for support with this episode. Uh, This is a full-service immigration firm that offer all inland and overseas immigration services, including temporary visas, permanent visas, PR extensions, and citizenship applications. Cathy and her team are available to inform and assist you as their client throughout the whole immigration process. And due to the current inflation and dollar rate in the Middle East and Iran, they are flexible to their agreement fees and are considering up to 20% Discounts to their fees for new clients from the Middle East till the end of July. If you want to come to Canada or you're here and you need support, you need an immigration counselor, Katy is your person. Katty Cavandi, Immigration Services, Instagram page, Immigration. By the way, I know she really wanted to support this episode because oh, really? she's a big fan of Husheng Tozi oh. and believes in the work he does. Um, Probably a big fan of Zara Amir Ebrahimi. There you go. Thank you very much. Without any help, I'm here all (laughs) (laughs) week. If you've not been to the Museum of Contemporary Art in Toronto, Canada, this is a pretty good time for you to visit. Right now, at the MOCA, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Toronto, is an exhibit called Shirin Neshat Land of Dreams. Lots of folks uh, listening may know of Shir Neshat, an Iranian visual artist, known um, especially for her work in film, video, photography. Well, this is her first major exhibition in Canada in 20 years. It sees the convergence of photography and film, bringing together a range of work in one immersive experience. This is stemming from her perspective as an Iranian immigrant living and working in the United States. Land of Dreams focuses on global issues of displacement, migration, geopolitics, political conflict it is running until the end of July you want to check this out if you're in the Toronto area Um, the central work that gives the exhibition its title comprises over 100 photographic portraits and a video installation converging photography and film into an immersive experience that presents a perspective on contemporary America Shirin Neshat Land of Dreams at the MOCA Toronto the Museum of Contemporary Art Toronto until July 31st Get your tickets. Run to this exhibit. All right, Hushengatozi coming up. I, I said that I want to talk a bit about the situation in Abaddon. Um, you guys may know my father was born in Obadan and uh, which is, of course, part of um, Khuzestan, uh, the southwest Iran region, uh, where my dad's side of the family are, are from, uh, very close to Iraq. A um, couple yes. of hours, maybe an hour or so away from uh, uh, Ahvaz, which would be the capital of the Khuzestan region. And um, you know, it's interesting. I was I was reading about Abadan, and and Abadan was a very small town mm-hmm. um, before. These rich oil fields were found in Abadan, Muhammad. You would know this. They uh, they weren't really discovered until the 20th century, mm-hmm. and before that, Abadan is a, a very small town. And in, in fact, I guess when my dad was born there, because I, I saw that the population by 1949 even in Abadan was about hundred thousand. Oh. So before that, it would have it wasn't even you know wasn't even cracking the hundred thousand mark. Um, and then it's been this. It's not really a cultural or um, um, legal or sort of, you know, uh, center of Iran. Um, but it's been at the center of a lot of what's happened in Iran. So the protests when Iran's oil was nationalized in 1951 took place in, in Abaddon. Uh, Abaddon plays an important role in the lead-up to the 1979 revolution with the Cinema Rex mm. fire, right? Oh, yeah. um, and, and then there's the Iran-Iraq war, which has this devastating impact yes. on Abaddon. And um, crazy, crazy information about this, which is that, you know, the Abadan's civilian population by the end of the Iran-Iraq war was pretty much down to zero. I mean, people just abandoned wow. the city because, yeah. you know, it was the epicenter of this war. Wow. So today the population is around 250,000 folks. It's a, 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 a big thriving city again. But if you've been hearing about Abadan and um, and you don't know exactly what's what's been happening in the last couple of weeks, I'll, let me do a very very quick primer. Um, so the so the latest round of outrageous events in in Iran happened when there was this deadly building collapse in Abadan that officials are blaming on corruption and lax safety. Um, and, and then the death toll has continued rising as people were quite horrifically stuck under the rubble of this building. Um, so the latest is that the death toll has risen to 31. Um, and obviously, the deadly collapses has raised questions about the safety of similar buildings in the country, in that city, underscored an ongoing crisis uh, in Iranian construction projects. So Authorities investigating the disaster detained Abadan's current and past mayors and several other municipal employees amid accusations that safety warnings were, were ignored. So, so this is bad enough, right? Uh, rampant mismanagement, et cetera. But this mismanagement and needless death leads to protests. And then Iranian police use tear gas and fire shots at protesters trying to disperse the protests. Um, So it's just been this tragic situation, which has once again escalated, which, of course, says so much about the climate in Iran, especially for young people who we see are out there protesting. And by the way, it's hard to get information about this or see video because of the, the crackdowns on Internet and social media so muhammad let me bring you in first i hope i did okay as a primer but what do you make of these protests and how quickly they can become very animated in terms of protesting not just this situation but against the regime as a whole clearly people are fed up yes
1: yes what we've been witnessing in iran over the past 10 months is uh, this is the fourth uh, major um, public unrest against the regime From day one, on May the 23rd, when the incident actually happened and the building collapsed, um, the slogans and the reaction by the public has been very political uh, and uh, clearly uh, targeting the head of the regime, Ayatollah Khamenei. People in general seem to accuse him of being the... Instrument of the corruption in the entirety of the structure of the Islamic Republic, and um, Abadan is incredibly significant, as you mentioned, because it's both um, it's, it has a special place for most Iranians. During the war, uh, people from four corners of Iran went and fought in areas either inside Abadan or close to Abadan. Uh, when the Iraqi army encircled Abadan and um, thousands of lives were were lost to recapture uh, the entry points to the city. It was one of the greatest or the first major achievements of mm-hmm. Iran during the uh, Iraq-Iran war. So mm-hmm. every Iranian has somebody who has lost their life in Khuzestan during the war. Uh, and Abadan has a um, has a special part of every Iranian's heart.
2: Mohammad, um, if I may add to that, actually, uh, Mohammad is right because not only if 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 you were an Iranian and didn't fight in Abadan after war, you may have neighbored an Abadani. And the reason I say that because when I was born, it was near the end of war, so I experienced maybe some sort of traumatic experience that I can't like consciously recall, but. My mom, like, r- she tells me about those stories, horrific, like uh, red sirens, and you had to go take shelter, stuff like that. But I grew up in Shiraz, southern mm-hmm. Iran. Mm-hmm. Mahalema, our neighborhood. Not
0: super far from no, Abadhan, not by super the way. far yeah, from yeah.
2: Abadan, and hence the closeness of it and uh, the, 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 the 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 being adjacent to not adjacent but closer to Abadan. Post war, a lot of khuzestanis and Abadanis migrated to to Shiraz. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the neighborhood. And I say their neighborhood because we were brothers, sisters mm. Like right, believe it or right, right. because right. of it, because right. I grew up with these people.
0: So even beyond Khuzistan or beyond Abadan, there's a brotherhood or, the, or sisterhood that people feel, feel for this, this region. But you know, uh, Muhammad, I wanted to say, you know, uh, on the face of it, and sometimes I think we have to remind ourselves of this. Um, you know, buildings do collapse in different parts of the world. I mean, you know, they might some, this event could happen in Canada. Uh, certainly doesn't happen with regularity. Um, the fact that in Iran, these protests within the week have become about the supreme leader, about Khamenei, uh, speaks, uh, at least that's what we know of what we see in these protests. You can hear them on some of the video that's been shot, The the youth there. It speaks volumes about what how people feel about the situation in Iran, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, you know, it's not something like this happens and it's not um, a, an issue of, okay, well, I, I mean, it, it will be and it needs to be litigated and how the, how to exactly did this building, was it mismanaged? Did this thing collapse? Why, why are all these people under the rubble? Why can't we respond faster? All of the same questions we would ask if this happened in the United States. But it necessarily represents something much bigger doesn't it, for Iranians? And, it, and certainly for those protesters. Can you speak to that?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, first of all, this particular building uh, what is such an example of um, the most destructive corruption which exists in the Iranian regime. The building itself uh, had a permit for seven stores. Three stores were added to the initial permits. Uh, even during construction, Uh, civil engineers from the municipality who have to approve these projects uh, raised multiple red flags that this this building is not even going to reach the day of um, inauguration it's going to collapse this was uh, publicized by those engineers by reporters who were reporting on the site but the owner of the building Um, was a sweetheart of IRGC and, you know, the Revolutionary Guards and whatnot. And he managed to uh, basically circumvent all the the resistance by the officials who were responsible for the safety of the building to build three more uh, stores on the building and get a, a final approval for the opening of the building. So from day one everybody kind of felt that this was basically the epitome of, uh, of state corruption. At the same time, it happens at a time when uh, the regime has uh, cut the subsidies on on wheat, right. people, uh, people's uh, purchase power has fallen to its lowest lowest since the revolution. And there's a great sense in the society that, that the regime is, uh, basically, still uh, supporting its own uh, pillars of power like the clergy and the IRGC Sepahs. And we're, and
0: we're not particularly removed from the ongoing water crisis, too, right? Which exactly was, uh, exactly.
1: Kuzestan, uh, 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 has been the uh, the main victim of the f- water crisis in Iran, totally through mismanagement. One of the major. Uh, cases is the uh, Gotvan Dam yeah. which against every expert opinion they constructed on a bed of salt
0: Okay, <laughs> let me just ask you quickly what what, what do you make of the authorities' arresting rounding up the 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 mayor and the former mayor and the, and some of the people who were the uh, folks involved i mean and they've they've called i think the iranian government called for a national day of mourning or something so uh, presumably this is to placate or to demonstrate that um the, the regime cares how how is what effect is this having
1: first of all khamenei spoke on television three days after the incident he didn't mention the incident at all at the same time they held a uh, RIDICULOUS PARTY IN uh, in THE MAIN STADIUM IN TEHRAN, CALLING SALAM FARMONDE, PRAISING AYATOLLAH Khamenei, AND HAVING MIXED BOYS AND GIRLS, WHERE, where THEY ALWAYS SEGREGATE, uh, YOU KNOW, THE WOMEN AND MEN IN STADIUMS, THEY DON'T ALLOW WOMEN IN, BUT TO PRAISE KHAMINI, THEY ALLOWED WOMEN IN, THEY DIDN'T PAY ANY ATTENTION TO THE GRIEF OF THE NATION, and now they're trying to play catch up.
0: A party that the uh, a, a party that a hundred thousand people or something attended, I might might add though, right?
1: Yes, but yeah. you know, they have the mobilization networks to bring masses to these sorts of events. It's like any other dictatorship, South Korea, you know, Nazi Germany, they can bring people from four corners of the country mm. for their own events, but they will not allow peaceful demonstrators to protest anything in
2: Iraq. yeah and it's North Korea Mohammed John you said South Korea but you know on that note if you were I, I was gonna say it feels like uh, since the Iran Iraq war like Iran has never left the war like one way or another it's always been chaotic even even when it wasn't it was just
0: well we had the conversation last week with kiosk here in the studio about the fragility of hope about whether 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 we're even uh, whether Iranian youth in Iran are even allowed to hope at this point you know i mean not as a dictate but based on you know what what they've seen around them in some cases for their entire life like you uh, post revolution and post war uh, reza and so there's this nihilism this kind of i mean to be honest one of the things that heartens me about this the protests in the midst of this horrible situation is that young people still clearly are not just nihilists they they care they want to try and change this things they want to try and address a situation like this that said mohammed we don't get we're not getting a lot of the information of actually what is happening on the ground because um from what i understand there's been shutdowns of the internet in abaddon Um, and so even on social media, you know, I mean, the, back to the green movement and how the, the whole world gets to watch what's happening well in this case the whole world isn't necessarily watching everything that's happening because um is this correct that i mean um ponton our team was saying that in some cases folks in in abaddon are taking you know video that they captured on the self cell, cell phones going to another city to be able to get internet access to be able to share this with the world can you speak to that
1: well, Internet uh, coverage in Abadan has been intermittent uh, in uh, during the past four days, and many people in Abadan are using SIM cards purchased from Iraq, uh, which do operate in Abadan, which is very close to the border, and they can use those SIM cards to transmit uh, images, transfer mm-hmm. data outside the country and to different news sources um but uh, generally speaking i think there is a, a lack of uh, empathy towards the protesters in iran by uh international media organizations some of them have covered for example bbc has covered uh some of the uh, you know protests cnn international has covered it but Uh, CNN Terrestrial hasn't covered the events, or uh, we haven't seen it in other athletes. Uh, I think perhaps if this has has happened in, uh, you know, we had the same protest in uh, Ukraine or somewhere else, they would have been... Uh, you know um, shouting it from rooftops but maybe because it's us Iranians they don't care and I'm, I'm very angry about that
0: well it's absolutely I'm glad we're doing this in English by the way and mm-hmm. and the reality is you're right if if you don't consume Persian media in Persian um, most of it actually located in the diaspora that's the, the ones that would be covering this you um, you don't know that much about what's going on in abaddon i mean try googling abaddon protests you yeah. get you know something maybe from the jerusalem post maybe reuters had a one wire story you're right bbc and cnn had one a couple of stories each um yeah. i mean it, it's it's hard to say if that's a um I mean what that's about uh um it it, it may be kind of a, a rolling of the eyes fatigue of oh yeah that's happening in iran again you know for for most of the rest of the world but it is it's certainly sad. Um, you know, there was a terrible tragedy that happened in the in the U.S. this past week, uh, uh, Mohammed, where you know where you are and and with that horrible shooting. I mean, not not anything new in the states, but but and the wall-to-wall coverage of that. Um, Much of it necessary, much of it important, much of it, the issues around gun control in the West and in the United States are big. But to contrast that against, you know, complete lack of coverage of anything that's happening in uh, in in Abaddon is is interesting. Of course, we expect, you know, nations and and the media of a country like the states to focus on, you know, uh, their own. Um, what's what happening within their own borders? But you're right. We see still see a lot about Ukraine. We still see a lot about other places in the world, and and this just hasn't made it on the radar.
2: Well, that's true because, and especially when the reputation of the regime is so important to them. Uh, I mean, for a film that gets a little bit of buzz in the festival circuits, they're banning it and playing t- temper tantrum. So imagine if there was coverage actually on this Abadan situation on CNN and breaking news every five minutes would have been different very different
0: you think that media coverage in the west of this would w- would affect how the yeah. iranian regime yeah adds? yeah i, yeah. I, I always I wonder know, about on that On
2: macro scale of things i don't i don't know how much but on the on a micro level i'd say to a great extent at least it elevates the pain to a certain extent like mm. they have to under pressure like release one or two a uh, political prisoner, or you know, at least pretend they care, or some—that's uh, something. Right. I mean, that's better than women.
0: um Muhammad, before we leave this subject, i, w- I just wanted to, uh, and by the way, and Shia, jump in as well. I don't—I mean to catch you out here, but um if there's. Uh, one of the patterns that we've seen um, recently in Iran is how quickly, I mean, you were on the show not that long ago talking about how this happened in 1999. It certainly happened after that, that when there is a protest, when something's happening in one place in Iran now, it can quickly spread to the despite uh, internet interruptions, despite lack of media coverage, et cetera. It can spread across the country. Um, How much do you feel we're seeing that in this case in Iran and how big a deal, how big a problem, if you will, could this become for the regime?
1: It's very difficult to say. Um, we have seen a, a sporadic protests in other uh, cities close to Abadan, in Khorramshahr, in Shahin Shah and in other places. In Tehran, we have seen uh, mourners uh, chanting against the regime, but uh, IN A VERY, uh, I WOULD SAY, LOW-KEY EVENTS IN CERTAIN uh, CLOSED, uh, YOU KNOW, ENVIRONMENTS. EVERYBODY IS GUESSING WHETHER, uh, YOU KNOW, the, uh, THE FREQUENCY OF THESE PROTESTS, WHICH WE HAD IN KHUZESTAN BEFORE FOR THE WATER CRISIS, AND WE HAD IN ISFAHAN FOR THE WATER CRISIS, NOW we, WE'RE HAVING IT AGAIN IN KHUZESTAN, WHETHER THIS WOULD SPREAD TO THE MAJOR CITIES so far, I have to say that um, the response in the major cities has not been um, as many people expected. And, uh, you know, w- we have to discuss what is the uh, social construct of Tehran these days? Uh, who are the Tehranis? What is the middle class? What do they associate with? So that's a very long uh, conversation, right. which we could have in another.
0: Show. Perhaps. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely something to pick up on. Did you uh, did you want to say anything before we close this? Yeah, show? I Go. mean,
3: the, yes, actually, it shows kind of that uh, maybe in some big cities people lost their hope. You know, because in ourdan yes they are fi- fighting for hope, but um, uh, I mean ba- ba- based on just my my talk to some of my friends. Mm-hmm they are like tired you know they are yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah what's the what's yeah. the point yeah what's right. the point point? and we that that's the it's sad you know that they they lost their hope um
0: muhammad uh i know you're a a, a busy guy um i'm gonna let you let you go but thanks for joining us on these topics um although um, you better continue listening in for um, Hushang Attozhi. Be, be, it's, it's a it's a really, really interesting journey he's on in, in his um, accomplished career, and I'm looking forward to talking to him. But thanks for being here.
1: Thank you very much. Always a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Mohamed Manzamp, joining us from uh, Washington, D.C., former BBC uh, Persian Bureau head uh, and uh, the director of Persis Media. Um, Bye, Mohamed
3: John. Bye, Mohamed John. Uh,
0: um, it was an interesting weekend here in Toronto. I, I, we're yeah. lining up Huseyn here. <laughs> I wanted to say, uh, well, Reza, I don't know what yes. you were up to. I mean, Me? God, God knows what uh, you were up to. But uh, but <laughs> but Shaya, um, there was a couple concerts. I, yes. I, I mean, it's not often that I get to go to two Persian. Rock concerts basically in one night, <laughs> and so um, your buddies Char Tar, yes, yes, who are a really interesting. I mean, this is going to sound like I'm. I mean, for certain Iranians, they know everything. You know, they're they're very enthusiastic about Char So, forgive me uh, for sounding like I'm. I'm just giving uh, the novice explanation of who they are, but kind of a progressive um, rock-ish uh, musical adventurous. Um, band that is located in uh, really interesting poetic Persian lyrics yes, yes. Um, and uh, changing band members except for the the lead singer Arman and yes. and the songwriter Esan. Um, but so interesting as a band. Mm-hmm. So they were playing the Algin Theatre in uh, in Toronto, and mm-hmm. I got to see uh, that show, and was was excited to see them for the first time. And then ran over to see our, our buddies Kiuska uh, who were playing a big rock show at a. At a so it's like Toronto was turning yeah. into the, yeah. uh, the Persian Rock Festival <laughs> here, you know. That's and awesome. Kiyoska were were. Fucking great! I was yeah, really, yeah, really yeah, fun, really great. Like I, you
2: actually invited me too. You were like, I "Can get you tickets," and I would have loved to come. But I, I and where were you? Friend's birthday party.
0: Oh, all right. Oh. Well, downtown. Their priorities. Hey, some the, of us. friends. Some of us want to support great musical artists, and he's others. a great musical artist. Who is? Fan. Your friend. <laughs> 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 so yeah, they were. They were. The, you know. Um, it was there. I mean, everybody's coming off the pandemic, right? Yeah. Yes. So I know we were having a, some sound trouble and stuff, and you got you, 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 your heart breaks because you can think, well, of course. I mean, no one's mid tour yet, you know, mm. because uh, it's things have just opened up. While well, some yeah. folks are mid tour, but you know, for the most part, and this was Kiosk's, like second gig, I think. Wow. You know, they did Vancouver Fresh, and huh? then Toronto, and but they were in fine form. I mean, they wow. were just. Uh, you know I, I mean he
2: even said it in the interview last week it was like some of these songs we played it so many times I mean, you've been in a band it's mm-hmm. kind of second nature like
0: kind of kind of for sure once you're back on stage but you know just the tightness of the band takes some but uh, but Tar also had some of the best players in, <laughs> in Toronto in their band They're like uh, uh, the drummer Marito and, and um, yeah, oh, yeah, uh, the whole band was just yeah. like phenomenal wh-
3: wh- right? what's interesting about Char Tar I mean interesting about Toronto is that Charter, actually, they are banned in Iran right now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are Mamlu But how God. could
0: Armand fly back and forth? Or that's, ho- that's okay?
3: He, he came here. But, but no, what, what I'm trying to say is that he, they are banned in Tehran, so they have to fulfill their, you know, huh. stay wow. in Toronto. They are banned, but I don't,
2: <laughs> they're banned for from performing, but not from living. Not from living. Yeah, yeah they just can't work, basically, <laughs> Great. in Iran. Thanks, so okay. yeah. They still have to
3: make a living. But, but so why, they why
0: would they be banned?
3: Uh, because Armand uh, was uh, supporting women singer, Oh, mm,
0: yep. yeah. that's enough to get you. Uh, yes, yeah, to yeah. get you right. yeah, ben, yeah.
3: yeah, so it's interesting. You mean just speaking, or like no, supporting, just, just by it, speaking out on that? Yeah, he he posted a post on Instagram, and so and that gets you banned, your yes, music banned. Yes. yes, wow. And so they have to fulfill their because stage. I mean, you know that if you are, if you are a musician, you are kind of addicted to to being on stage. Yes. So pandemic for two years, they it it, it didn't allow us to be on stage. Yes. But now Iranian <laughs> regime didn't allow them to be on stage, so they have to travel to Toronto. Yeah. To like well, be. and
0: it's funny because I mean they had a huge audience, and uh, Arash Subhani was saying it. it Toronto feels like Tehran to him, you know. Now, Uh, Toronto now feels like Tehran back then. It just uh, he's like, you know, the audience is awesome, and and uh, so when you get together after the uh, after the gig, uh, Shia with like guys like Arman, is it like we're the band musicians? Like you feel like a (laughs) a kinship with uh, you know all the other band musicians? (laughs) Uh,
2: You know, it's probably a good thing you didn't
0: come, Reza I mean, what are you going to mix with these uh, talented musicians, musicians. hipsters? Yeah, hey,
2: come on, I'm hip. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, on that on being yes. on the note of being hip, Hushang yes. tozi and Fereydun Farrokhzad. Every time, and this was one of the first Persian songs I ever heard because my grandfather was a fan of Fereydun Farrokhzad. So every time I hear F- name of Fereydun Farrokhzad, I hear.
3: <laughs> That's
2: his song.
0: Thank you very much, Reza <laughs> yes, I, I hope I hope Hushang's <laughs> not on the line yet. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm
2: done. I'm sorry, <laughs> bro. You know We're he doesn't gonna... You
0: know he spent years crafting an amazing show I where know. he plays Federico Fanzon. I know. Song. I, know.
2: I hope he hasn't done a lot of research on him cuz <laughs> 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 Yes, he
0: Yes, he has. Oh my yes, he has. In fact, sorry. I, we, sorry, we, Sean we Sean got him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right, let's get to our uh featured guest. Uh, thank you very much Captain Reza. Thanks to Alhaji Muhammad. Uh, thanks to uh, Groovy Shaya. My feature guest today is a renowned and deeply respected Iranian-American playwright and actor, who Tozi, is in that select few great Iranian artists who've built a solid career of popular works outside of Iran whilst combating all the challenges and obstacles that most Iranian artists have faced in exile over the last uh, 40 plus years. Husheng was born and raised in Tehran. He started his career in Kargar Namayesh. He moved to the U.S. shortly after the Islamic Revolution to pursue his acting career where he met his life partner, Shohri Ardashlu. Together, they founded the Los Angeles based production company, Workshop 79, with a mission, they said, to produce satirical works in Farsi outside of Iran. Their major hits from Satellite with Love, The Great Escape, and An Iranian in Heaven are all socio political satires about Iranians in the diaspora. Hushang, of course, is also known for his presence in American movies and TV series. Uh, there's lots of them, but they include Into the Night, Homeland, Argo, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. One of his latest works is a musical play called Silver Poet, where he appears in the role of the legendary Iranian showman, poet, and writer, Feridun Farazod. It is part tribute to part entertaining spectacle and part history lesson that features Shang on stage in almost every scene, carrying the central role of Farukh It recently played in Toronto. It was riveting and I had the occasion to see it. And right now, it's a great pleasure to have Huxiang Tozi joining me from Los Angeles today. Hello, sir.
4: Hello, Jian. Thank you so much for your fantastic introduction. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so very happy to be here.
0: I'm just stating the facts. I mean, it, it's a, there's a lot more I could say. In fact, I want to focus on the, the Silver Poet and your personal story, but, I, but I, I should say that everything I've ever been told about you is that you always have a lot of projects going on. <laughs> is that true?
4: Yeah, that's true because um, I love theater and I do my best to be in the theater. That's what I've, what I've done all my life. So when I was a kid, I was taken to a play. I was very little, I'm like six years old. And then my brother, my older brother was a set designer at one of these uh, Tehran's uh, theater. And then uh, he used to uh, bring us comps so we could go with the family. And I was amazed by actors on the stage, movements, lighting, laughter, and then at that age, I knew what I liked to do in my life, and that was acting. Mm. That was theater, and I've never done anything else.
0: So it comes from a place of of real passion, or is it also? I mean, this idea that you always have a lot of projects going on. Are you? A, would you describe yourself as a workaholic? Are you something? I mean, I mean, certainly you look at your IMDb. You've certainly done a lot of things. <laughs> you don't yeah, seem to so take that. it
4: easy. Yeah, you can say that. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I mean, uh, uh, teenager probably. Uh, some of my friends used to go to Germany uh, for becoming engineer. And one of these friends came back for a visit and I said, so if you can give me uh, one reason why you go to Germany. He said, in Germany, you learn whatever you do, you do it, you'll you be at best. If you if you become an abahosi, abahosi was the the lowest job in Iran. Mm. But he said in Germany they teach you whatever you do, even if you are an abahosi, you have to be the best abahosi in the whole world. That is still in my in my head. I like to do I like to do my best in whatever I do. I'm not saying I succeeded every time, but. I had so many failures.
0: Is it about you doing your best or is it about you being the best? I mean, are you competitive? No, 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 no,
4: no. I, I do my best. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm my best yet or, uh, or the best in, in the field, but I try my best.
0: You're you're a, you've sort of been on all sides of this as a, as a performer, as a playwright, as a director, as a teacher, do you feel like you're still learning at this stage?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think there is an end to learning. As a matter of fact, I think I'm learning now than I was learning. I used to learn when I was 20, 30, 40, 50. So because what I learn now is so deep, so deep, I deeply learn whatever happens. And to be honest with you, um, of course, I consider myself a lucky person. And I'm so grateful to that, but I had so many failures in my life. I had more failures than success. And I've learned more, a lot more from my failures than I've learned from my success.
0: Let me let me come back to that. That's an interesting thing sure. to say. I'm gonna come I'm right. gonna flag that and come back to it. By the way, I thought you were forty. You mean you're older than that?
4: I'm 20. I feel 20 years old. I don't know really.
0: how. I don't know how you accomplished this, but your your age isn't actually anywhere on the internet. So, as far as yeah. I'm concerned, you might be 40. It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look like a Thank young you guy.
4: Thank you so much. You're so kind. I love you for that.
0: <laughs> so let me let me ask you a little bit about the silver poet because having seen it just last month, it's still it's still in my mind. It's still in my in my self. I'm I'm thinking about it a lot. Uh, for first of all. Um, tell me when you first had... The, I know you've been working on this for a while and you've performed it over the last two or three years a, a number of times. When did you first have the idea to do a play about the late Feridun Faragzad and to, in fact, embody the role of Feridun yourself? Uh,
4: years ago, I think it was 1992, uh, I was acting in a play called cinema um, Cinemarex, The Trial of Cinemarex. By Mr. Parvi Sayyad, and I was, uh, I had a part, I had a good part in that, and then uh, we planned to go on a tour to Canada, to U.S., and then go to Canada, and uh, at the same time, same day that we were supposed to go by, by you know RV, Mr. Sayyad was uh, telling us, Parv Duneparvshod has been killed, so FBI has notified him that you are on the list mrs sayad and um, uh, so you have to be very careful so mr sayad discussed with us do you want to continue on the tour or you want to go back home Hmm. everybody said let's go let's go on a tour and let's do it at that time something happened in in my mind years later when when i realized um, nobody has talked about it, nobody has written some something about it nobody nobody is even mentioning um how horrible uh, a trade was killed mm. uh, so i said oh my god so many people in the music iranian music industry so many people who owed owe their um popularity mm-hmm. or fame to Ferdinand Nobody nobody's even paying attention to that. Then I've received a book by Iranian poet from Germany who published a book about Ferdinand Parasad, a singer in blood. And I love that book. And the guy said, listen, I was never a fan of Ferdinand Parasad, but I'm doing this for him. Because nobody is mentioning it. And then I said, okay, I'm not in the music industry. I'm in theater. But I got to do something. At that time, I was really sick and tired of being responsible for the whole play. Writing, directing, producing, uh, investing, acting, da-da-da-da. I said, you know what? I want to do a one-man show. So I spoke to a friend of mine. I said, I want to do a um, a one-man show. It said... uh, uh, what, you, what, what do you have in mind? I said, I have uh, one idea on, on a singer called Abbas Sifi. that's a different story. It's an amazing story. And then the other one is Feriduna Parasad. And she said, this is it, this is it, go ahead. Go ahead and I'll help you. So anyway, to cut a long story short, I started um, um, writing it in a one-man show. And then we ended up having 12 people on stage. In early performances, and at some point, we had like twenty people extras in in a cafe where Freddie Dunparosad is doing his last show. Mm. But later on, for uh, for making it a little bit more comfortable to go around, to cut the cost and everything, so we trimmed it. We didn't we didn't cut any scenes, but actors are now are doing. Different
0: characters. Yes, yes. Like, you know. It's a, it's a tight and efficient cast that does a great job. Exactly. But but you're still, I mean, you're really. Carrying this thing. I mean like I said in the introduction watching you you're you're in almost every scene and you do quite a remarkable job uh, I'm not the only Thank one you. saying this. I mean everybody has said this seemingly transforming into Farah uh, This I have to imagine even for someone with a with a fair bit of experience like you uh, as an actor um, this must've been quite a process of becoming intimate with getting to know who he was. I know you only ever met him a couple of times or something in, in your life. So what kind of process was it for you to really learn how to adopt his character and his characteristics?
4: Uh, fortunately there were so many information about him online. So, uh, I started researching everything, everything, everything that was online. I could get my hands on, and also I talked to several people who knew him, and they were working together, many people. Ninety percent, you know, it wasn't true. And uh, Everybody was saying something out of their um, pers- perspective. So I didn't want that. So I heard them all and then I started writing and I didn't want I really didn't want to do a documentary on, on him because it wasn't my job hmm. I wanted to do something about Peridun Parasad the poets, not the singer uh, not the um, um, political activist but I really cared about what he felt what he thought so everything is in it but most of all um most of all, I saw him as a little kid that uh, was so much ahead of his
3: time. Mm. Mm.
4: Years before I started writing this uh, play, um, a friend of mine, a, a filmmaker, offered me to play his role. Oh, I said no, I cannot do that. I have nothing to do with him. How do I do that? He he's not a regular guy. Everybody knows how he talked how he moved, how he sang, how he, you know, so it's not, it, it is not easy for me. He said, years ago, by the way, I did a play, and I did Muhammad a Shah, the young Muhammad yes. a Shah. Yes. And that was very successful. He said, what, why did you do that? You have nothing to do with Shah. I said, listen, <laughs> that's theater. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm the animal of theater, not movies. So he said, let's give it a try. So he took me to Berlin in Germany without paying on anything. I said, okay, I'll come. So, and we did a movie, uh, we did like seven, seven minutes, eight minutes uh, short film to show it to producers or financiers, da, 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 da. And the movie, that little movie was so fantastic. But uh, we were not able to raise the money. Mm. So production was canceled. So for that, I, I I started researching and and rehearsing his movements, his um, the tone of his voice, da 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 da. Everything was so successful, and then I said, okay, that was a, a um, that was a thing I, I should use it. And years later, when I started writing this, I already had this base.
0: What did you most want to communicate about him? In other words, um, it's, it's an interesting character to play uh, because he's a real life person um, and he's bigger than life and you're dealing with an audience that, on the one hand, many of the people who are going to come to your show, Iranians of a certain vintage, are going to know a lot about him. On the other hand, there's all kinds of other people coming to your show, like me, who grew up in the diaspora, who may not know that much about him, other than I've heard his name, I've seen some things on on YouTube. What did you know that you really had to communicate about him?
4: When I came here, uh, after the revolution, I had time to think that what is... The essence of being a playwright or artist in general, Hunanman. and I came to this conclusion that the art of, a, of an artist, the work of an artist, is to is to make people happy, to make people informed, to make people feel. Mm. So, in any in any case, you have to be entertaining. You have to entertain people. People, especially Iranian after revolution was so sad, so desperate for happiness so I have that subject in my mind, always hmm. even though you are doing a, a tragedy yes. because tragedy, as they say, tragedy um, comedy is tragedy plus time <laughs> yes whatever happens in in, in the history um, then after what, you can make make a comedy out of it.
0: But can I just, as a sidebar, it's so interesting that you should say this because um, I have been uh, throughout my life, you, you know, as a kid of the 80s and 90s and stuff, I I, I I I would hear this music, this Persian music from LA from the 80s, the Shisha and all that, And I would think, this is nonsense. What is this cheesy music? And I never got it until recent years in doing a program like this that um, exactly as you say, the people at that time coming from Iran, um, many in exile in Los Angeles right after the revolution, didn't have the patience or the the desire to hear um, sad, depressing music. We've been through enough sad sadness and depression. Give us some six eight. We'll dance, and and that's what we want. And that that's kind of what you're saying is the is also the case in theater and film, etc., Yes,
4: absolutely, absolutely. Going back to your question, is I wanted to create a play that. This world that that we live in, there's no guarantee in nothing. You do not know about anything in five minutes. Hmm. So, uh, to me, he was, as you said, bigger than life. He was coming from a great family, another sister, and all these three people, they were in... Not even 1% of Iranians could be locked up. So, why an artist, Iranian artist in Germany, in England, is talking his mind and gets killed? Mm. That can happen to any of us. That was my main, my main thought. Why? If we believe in free speech, He didn't do anything else he didn't take guns or anything else he just talked and i didn't i really didn't Jian, honest to god i didn't want to make him a hero i didn't you you should know that and i didn't to put him down to me he was an artist did he had shortcomings of course we all have but he didn't deserve that
0: but but you've said I, I've heard you say elsewhere that you you believe he was a poet, not a political activist or. Uh, but but the show is political. I mean, I, I guess it it can't help but be, you know. Um, so is that to say that he couldn't help but be political uh, in, in terms of what had become of his life and career after the revolution?
4: My perspective was. Um, I want to do something about a poet, Iranian poet, not um, political activist. But he was a political activist. I didn't want to go through that window. But I was loyal to that. I was loyal to whatever he said or whatever he did. But I didn't want to go to make a documentary on, on political activists. Right. Because that was a part of him, not the whole of him.
0: But but the majority of Houshak, the majority of the play is takes place after the revolution um, when he's yeah. he's in these fading years and he's desperately trying to get the resources and platform that right. he had before. I, I mean, why focus on that period? You could have you could have showcased him at his at his zenith in the mid late seventies, right?
4: Absolutely. Uh, um, the play starts from eighteen eighty seven. No, I'm sorry, nineteen eighty seven. Yes, when he. I had a huge concert in um, in London, Albert Hall. So I was told there were there were like 7,000 people and seven people could ruin it for him, you know? So that was interesting for me, That's, that was very dramatic. Uh, that was his first confrontation with audience, with a huge audience. Mm. And then everything started from there. Everything started from there and then he, after he was confronted with uh, those people, talks, then he started going on and, on and on and on and on and on until he had no control, no control whatsoever. And I want to add this. Maybe it's not the right time or place. Please. But he was so smart. He was smart. He couldn't, be, he couldn't, he couldn't easily fall into the trap i think he wanted to go Hmm. he embraced death because he had no other place to go he was killed then in august 1992 but before that he was dead his soul was dead who killed his soul we did i did the society especially the society in los angeles we killed him
3: گو هاتو نشینم چش مراهدو
4: شبنم روی ماه دو یاشته سوس نگاه من ماه من کبه روی. When he went back from Los Angeles to Bonn, in Germany, he was a dead man. He was doing, after he was um, giving concert for 7,000 people, he was doing plays, he was doing um, I don't, uh, ha, how, how do I say, not concert. In, in Chelo kababis is in cafe. Yeah. With 30 people. 30 people who are eating, not even listening. And that's so... So painful for in, him in in,
0: in Los fun. Angeles too. There's that scene that for, I mean, for any of us who've been performers or in the media, that it's it's, exactly. it's it's heartbreaking where he goes to the it's a Los Angeles satellite station or something, and they, you know, he he says, "But how are we supposed to do this? You only have one camera, and it doesn't work very well." And they're like, "Yeah, don't worry about it. It's okay." And he's used to a certain standard, even of professionalism, that he can no longer attain. Exactly, exactly.
4: So to me, I believe. He wanted to go. He loved Iran, maybe more than anybody else. He loved Iran and he loved his mother. Now, why? Why the whole thing came to my mind? Because, first of all, I'm going to tell you, maybe five percent of what you heard from this actor as Faezun Parosad on the stage was Faezun Parosad's dialogues. Mm-hmm. The rest, ninety percent, ninety-five percent, was my creation, based on his way of life, his way of thinking, and also, uh, believe it or not, uh, there are so many mutual feelings between me and Veredum.
0: Thank you, thank you. That that is the segue that I wanted to go go to, because because you are not. You know uh, George Clooney playing Che Guevara. You know Mm -hmm. somebody who's completely got a different experience. Yes, you are not Farid and Farzad. You're younger. You're whatever. We can uh, the the differences, but but. It, it's it's very interesting that you're playing a role, particularly the heartbreaking, the tragic part of it, in terms of uh, uh, being necessarily exiled, being removed from your craft and your country where you were doing your work and you were growing. That's something that you share with Faridun and Farakhzad, and I wonder uh i was going to ask you exactly this about the emotions that you bring to this i don't know the exact story of why you left right around the time of the revolution or thereafter um it, it, i'm assuming you didn't leave willingly i'm assuming you would have stayed if karga namayesh would have been would have stayed open tell me that story and how you feel those similarities
4: when i was working in um, karga namayesh tehran tehran's Zama workshop uh, a year before revolution we used to do plays and somebody would come from Iranian television to take pictures one guy whose name was Mehdi I forgot his last name he came and he took some pictures from the from the play and wow it was so amazing I said hey Mehdi where are you coming from he said I was studied in NYU New York and I had a older brother in New York, years, I mean, he was in New York years before. Mm. And I said, oh my God, from then, I thought, oh my God, I got to go to New York because my brother is there and I'm going, I'm going to you to study cinema and come back, come back to my country. Mm. And then I left before revolution, I mean, on the, you know, very close to the revolution. And then uh, I found out I cannot go, I cannot afford to go and NYU. NYU is a very expensive university and I don't have that money. I didn't know English at all. Anyway, so I started working at theater. Okay. I wanted to go back. Then, the situation occurred. I couldn't do anything, I couldn't get money from Iran. So I had to start working, working, you know, odd jobs and then and dreaming to go to Broadway. That was my dream, 40 years ago, and now it's coming true. I'll let you, I'll tell you later after
0: Wow! This. But that, that well, oh, that's quite a teaser. I, I, I'll I'll come to, <laughs> I'll come. I flag that. I'll come back to that. But but is it true? I mean, so in the early 80s, you're in New York, and what you said, odd oh, Jobs. But I understand you were washing dishes. I mean, you were Absolutely. not doing glamorous yeah. work. Um, Hu Sheng, were you were you angry?
4: no i was so very sad i was depressed i was literally depressed to, to my teeth I, I i couldn't even move i had to work to make a living so that was that but i was i was a dead soul
0: how low did you sink what would what how would you characterize the the most difficult days of that period
4: because because um by that time when um, hot situation um took place everything was changed i was in new jersey new york okay i, w- I used to go to new jersey on the weekend and uh, during the week i was in um, manhattan and working working hard because i had to make my, my living mm. and then uh, it was really scary it was scary uh, i didn't feel comfortable i didn't feel safe now now is everything is changed. Of course. You you, you cannot feel that fear.
0: I, I I would imagine at that time I would imagine you you would think that you probably would never get work as an actor as an Iranian man, right?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. And also I wasn't sure that if I can go back to Iran. By then I knew Iran, I love Iran. Still I love my country. I love I love Iran. I love America, too, mm. because these two countries, they, um, I was born in Iran, whatever I have as an actor from Kargai Namahisha Tehran, from Tehran's drama book, I'm so grateful to that. And then America gave me opportunity to work in my own language. France doesn't let you do that.
0: How did you? How did you... Look, I mean, I, I don't even have to say the names. We both know that there's incredibly talented uh, folks who similarly were, in fact, were big stars in Iran who after the revolution were exiled and, and pretty much never worked again. Like, it, it, were unable to, they couldn't, couldn't, couldn't bring themselves out of it. That hasn't been the case for you. How did you, uh, you've built this very prolific career that we've been talking about. How, how did you get out of that depression? How did you build, rebuild yourself?
4: I think that was the love for theater. If um, I was, instead of becoming an actor for theater, a writer, a playwright, uh, I would die like seven times. Honest to God. (laughs) I I had so much failures. I had so much problem in my mind. So um, I think the only thing saved me up to today is theater.
1: شرقی غنگین وقتی آفداب تو شهر بارونی بوی عقره تو پیچی شبراه شدوم کرد تو گیسوی تو گرم شد آفداب آزادی از تو چشم تو خندی ای شرقی غنگین تو مثل کوه نوری نظر خورشیدمون بمیره تو مثل روز مثل دریا مقروری
4: but theatre is a life thing. It's a group. Without that group, I would die hmm. because I was never alone. I was with my fellow actors, with the team. So we helped each other to to grow, to to stay alive, you know. And uh, somebody told me, uh, "You are not. You are not a writer unless you cannot." not to write you're Mm. not able not to write right and you write until you die so uh they say if you're a writer you should you should do as clergy do they wake up four o'clock five o'clock in the morning i don't know what time and they do namas or prayer or whatever even though they're sick even though they don't want it
3: Mm.
4: but they they wake up they do it so uh, as a writer as a playwright or poet or whatever you just got to do it just do it and this just do it by nike it it for some reason i was haunted by this just do it Hmm. you never lose anything
0: it's interesting you should say that because i was going to ask you i mean you are very prolific aside from being a great talent you, you know what what do you attribute your ability to score so much film and tv work over the years and and acting and and theater i mean if if a young person comes to you and says, what's the trick? What's the magic sauce? How do you do it?" Um, is that what you say? You just got to get up Absolutely. every day?
4: I would say you have nothing now, right? That's why you came to me and asked me, how do I do that, right? My daughter asked me, how do I do it, daddy? How did you become successful? I said, by doing it. What What did I have to lose? Right now, what do I have to lose? If I don't do it. I love to take risks. I really, I love to do risks. At one time, uh, Tara, my daughter said, Daddy, why are you doing so many difficult things? (laughs) Can not you do some some more comfortable play? I said, no, I cannot do that. That doesn't satisfy me. I have to do something that is challenging to me. I don't know if if I can do it or not. If I know I can do this, I'm not going to do it, why should I do it, because I already know that I can do it, I'm able to do that, I gotta do something that I don't know, I'm not, I don't know if I'm able to do that, that's challenge, and then that's drama, and I'm working drama, so why don't I take risks, what do I lose, losing, we all know Gian, we all know what to do with our success, right, Hmm. success is success we you know how to do it how to deal with it mm. but what we don't know is how to deal with our losses we need to we need to learn the art of losing we know the art of success everybody knows but what we don't know is the art of losing.
0: I, I said that, you know, I, I flagged it to come back to it. I mean, you say to an interviewer, uh, I, I've had many failures. It's like catnip. Okay, well, I, I want to know what the failures are. So so tell me, when you think of when you say that, what comes to mind as... A failure that you've had. I mean, I say that respectfully, of course, because we talk about all the celebrated things you've done. Um, a failure that you've had. You've had what? What would come to mind? And and that something that you learned from that.
4: Uh, years ago, my wife was pregnant with Tara, and we had a very uh, kind of zero budget. But I was working for in movies then, nineteen eighty-five. Uh, and before that, I, um, we made a movie with Mr. Sayyad, and then I did one off-off Broadway show, written Book of the Dead in La Mama in New York City. And uh, my goal was to stay in New York City and you know, stop thinking Parsi, speaking Parsi, just go for the Broadway. And then after, after I made that movie with Mr. Sayyad, which was a very good movie, um, I came to Los Angeles for only one night to, for for the uh, opening of this, and then I fell in diiromusabzi. So many people uh, was so kind to me, and uh, everything was so looked so comfortable here. So I came back anyway. Um, I did a, I did a play. Uh, we were able to do it four performances, not very successful performances, mm-hmm. that's it. And my second play was a play uh, lost in the winds. was political. Uh, there was like 30, 30 people, 25, 30 actors on a stage, and we had only two performances. And that was disaster. After that, I made a play called Bui The Sweet Scent of Love. We were hoping to do it because of a comedy. Uh, we were hoping to have 10 performances. Hmm. And, you know, to make a little bit of money. Hmm. We did more than 500 performances in four years, non-stop.
0: None of these sound like failures so far.
4: No, no. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. okay, now we get in there. We get in there. <laughs> so we made another money, we, we bought a house, right? Four years, consecutive years. We did that all over the world, except for Iran. I mean, I mean, uh, Australia, Europe, Canada, U.S. And then after that, I made a, I made a play called In the Search of Amir Al-Salam, another political thing. Hmm. We worked on it. I, I wrote it in one year, and we had money, right? Uh, from Buya Khoshesh. And then we rehearsed for one year. It was a failure. We did like four or five performances, and we had to stop it. In that time, we spent all the money we made before, and then we started borrowing money on, on our house, and our house went to the bank. Oh wow! Bankrupts. In that, <laughs> in that wooden his house, we had some trees, and I was the last. The last night, I found myself on. I'm in the, in the dark, I'm talking to these trees and saying goodbye to them because I love them so much. Hmm. So that was so very painful. And we had a little girl. So after that, I don't know what happened. As I told you, I got so depressed for a year, the whole year. And also I had other, other failures. I mean, personal and in my work, uh, there was time that Uh, In 1985 when I came to, from New York, came to Los Angeles uh, because of the the movie Ferris Sade was very well received Mm -hmm. uh, by New York Times and you name it. So uh, an agent uh, approached me and immediately I did Into the Night with Michelle Pfeiffer, Jeff Goldblum, and I, 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 um, I got to work with David Bowie for eight days. Hey, David, how you doing? If you
0: if you know anything about me, that's like saying you you know that's that's that that's the top of the mountain. That that is incredible,
4: incredible. But after that, after that, I started, and everybody everybody told me, "Oh my God, now you, you go you go places." Da 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 Nothing happened. I started working in in uh, American TV series like with you know. In the a-team with george pippard and i was getting punches with from them you know i did little parts all of a sudden i was throwing up of what is it this is not for me hmm. and i spent like three three years working in american uh movies and tv series and it was horrible and i got so depressed when when you lose something you know uh when your engine is off it's so difficult to get it back on.
0: Is it helpful in those moments if you have a partner, you had Shohreh al you'd form this Workshop 79. Is it helpful in that scenario or is it even worse because you're both suffering the bankruptcy and all of that?
4: Uh, we both suffered, but Shuhri, um unlike me, that I got deep in depression, she never goes to depression. She's, she's just like a lion you know hmm. forget about it we make it again don't worry about it don't worry about it. so so she really helped me she helped me i mean um that um uh, theatrical group workshop 79 that uh, we named it um so it it owes so much to Shore. i'm telling you hmm. i was the right i was the playwright i was the director i was the producer da, 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 da. but having Shore in my place was Wow, it was amazing. Of course, before that, I did play with, without Shore. But Shore, when Shore came to, um, her soul was so big, uh, heart so big. She was so happy, always. And then that helped a lot.
0: But, you know, I, I, can I just say um, with, with so much respect that it, it is so... Oftentimes, I find conversations like this really gratifying because, from the outside and in a superficial way, as you said earlier, in a five-minute way, uh, one might look at you and just say, "Well, this guy's he had had a silver spoon. You know, he's he's had a an easy ride. He's, he's a successful guy. What does he know about adversity? He and his wife have been very very successful. Um, to to know the kind of resilience that it takes." To have been you is um, is helpful because life is a challenge for everyone, and and one of the things that we see in the silver poet that feels like the theme of the play for me, um, the tragic theme, uh, obviously beyond him, you know, being assassinated but being killed, is this feeling of resignation that slowly seeps into him you know this where he says Boshe every time you know he's in a situation where he can't um he realizes uh, this is so much less than what he expects of his life and of himself and, and others and he kind of resigns himself says Boshe okay okay um and it, it seems to me that I was going to ask you if, if you could relate to that in any way, but I, but it sounds like your life has been the opposite of that, of, of, of at some point not saying bosh and, and to keep going no matter what.
4: Uh, on the contrary, I've always said bosh. I cannot say no. I mean, I don't want to say I cannot say no, but rarely I said no to anybody. Unless that was something crazy or against my my beliefs, whenever they asked me to do something, I said, "Bosh." I don't know why I do that. Still, I'm doing that. I don't know, why. but you know what? At the end of the day, it's uh, everything turns out to be so good for me. <laughs> I I'm not superstitious. I'm not even fundamentalist. But I believe in karma. You reap what you sow. Right, you read what you say. I know that. Mm. So I'm saying I'm 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 full of shortcomings. I know that, and I think when you when you know your your defaults, when you know your your shortcomings, okay, you don't you don't go crazy. You yeah okay. I'm not I'm, I'm I'm not a complete person. I'm 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 I s- s- have so much shortcomings. So what? And I make so much mistakes. So what? I learn from it. Um, I think it's uh, Beckett's. says, or oh, um, oh, brecht, brecht or some something. I forgot. It says, "Fail, next time, fail better."
0: <laughs> What's a shortcoming that you had that you've learned from and you you're, you've overcome? What's a shortcoming that were that characterized you that you've been fighting throughout your life that you've been able? That,
4: to? Yeah, that is my uh, my um, that is what is in my character. I cannot put up with
0: bullies, mm.
4: with bullying, I cannot do that. So a lot of people say, come on, be a little bit of um, uh, diplomatic mm. and say, okay, you're right. Yeah, da, da, da. I cannot do that <laughs> because I don't want to lose myself. Jean, I've lost many things, but I've gained a lot. But when you lose yourself, you got nothing. If you are Josh Clooney, as you said, if you don't respect yourself, if you don't have respect for yourself, if you have lost your the character, so it doesn't matter how much money you have, how much fame you have, it doesn't matter. For me, I like to sleep at night like a baby. That's it. What else do I need? I'm in a country you don't you don't you know die from hunger, right? And also, I worked so hard. I have worked so many years. I can, stay, I can stay home, read books. My favorite writer is uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I can read Hundred Years of Solitude by him a hundred times yeah. and really enjoy it. That's the best time for me. Reading his books, laying down, lying down on, on the bed, watching movies. That's fantastic. I said, that's, that is paradise. Why do you every time you go to heaven to do things like this and I did um, a play um, on based on *Shahnameh*, mm-hmm. and with 30 actors and 15 people working around it and they just taped it they just filmed it because I wasn't able to take it on a stage because of pandemic and my daughter says why why are you doing this I said I, I don't want to be in the comfort zone. I don't want to, do that. because it doesn't give me anything. I have to take risks. This is—I'm not saying this is good. I'm saying I enjoy it. I enjoy giving service and say yes, bosh, 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 bosh.
0: Except if it's a bully. Except if it's <laughs> if it's a bully, you don't say bosh.
4: Absolutely. I mean, uh, so many things I say no. If a play is not saying. Things that I believe in, I say no. Mm. Of course, I passed a lot of movies. I never played a terrorist. I'm not saying playing a terrorist is bad, but you know, when you call it a terrorist, if you call it if you call it freedom fighter, okay. But you already call it terrorist, and I don't want to do that. Mm. I, I don't want. I don't want to do anything uh, that is not fair. Uh, but I, ha- I had my I had my mistakes. I've learned from it. I'm much more, you know, alert now.
0: I love, I love so much of what you just said. Although uh, my choice would be "Love in the Time of Cholera" from Gabriel Garcia Marquez, not "A Hundred Years of Solitude." Uh, uh and maybe you should you know that's if you can do a a stage show or a film of love in the time of cholera uh i i would i would i'll be the first one to buy the ticket
4: oh my god that's an amazing story yeah, amazing story it really i i think they made a movie out of it
0: i think they did too i, I didn't i yeah. i think they did and i think i intentionally avoided it because i i love that book so much uh yeah. it's to you me that the, right
4: thing. the the movie wasn't good yeah, the I, movie wasn't good. Um, uh, it's very difficult
0: for yeah. I'm yeah. I'm so grateful for the time you've given us. I I haven't forgot about coming coming back to talk about something you said something about Broadway, and I, I want to. That's going to be the final question. But just before we get to that, because that that sounds exciting. I, I was reflecting on um, just this conversation about the silver poet and Faridun Zod, and I was thinking, you know, part of the tragedy. Of what happened to him in the diaspora, in terms of what you're saying about, you know, him being killed off—not just literally, but metaphorically as well—by the industry and and by society, by Iranians, you're not not showing enough uh, appreciation or interest. Uh, do you think that Feydoun Farzad, if he was around today? I feel like it would be different. I feel like he would get a different kind of reception and he would have access to audiences that just weren't, were not available to him in the late 80s and, and the early 90s. What do you think?
4: Um, I think you you right. I want to tell you one little, very, very interesting story. I'll, please. I'll try to say very quickly.
0: No, take as much time as you want. It's, it's yeah. your time, please.
4: After a couple of success. Uh, on a stage, uh, uh, we had a mutual friend, Farhad Zanich. They were so so close to each other. And Faridun has written a letter to Farhad. He gave it to me and I read it. And at, that was his heartbreaking uh, letter to Farhad uh, of Iranian in Shahraf Adeshaghan or Los Angeles. Okay. But he told me, Feridun has told him, um, tell Hushang Tozi to write a play for three people, Shore, Hushang and me, I love to play their son. I, I couldn't digest it. I was so stupid. Now I'm, I'm saying I was so stupid, I didn't have this, this uh, to understand him. He would love to have Shora and I as his parents. Hmm. And I didn't get it. So I ignored it. I wish I could get it. And then write a play, work with him as, as my son, as Shora and I's son. And then we would go on in theater and then probably musicals. So he would still be with us. Hmm. So this story. Amazing story.
0: It's an amazing story. I knew that story. I, I, if forgive me, and, and to all the people listening around the world who, who do get it, and I don't, I still don't get it. How, wh- how was he going to play your son?
4: <laughs> because he, he he never he never uh, was a character to think in the uh, in the uh, shoebox. Ah. You know? he was always out of the box. That would be fantastic. That would be amazing. You know. And still, I think he would be with us, going around with his fame and popularity and the talent of, and he, he, he loved acting, act, mm-hmm. as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that did not happen. But if he was today, if he was here today, we don't know, are we changed? Are we Iranian changed? Look, look around you. We are killing each other. We are naming each other. Yeah. And um, something happened in Los Angeles a few a week ago with Habis Parastu and da 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 da. Yeah. I don't want to get into it. Yeah. But look what we are doing aftermath. Whatever happened, see what we are doing to each other. This is amazing. I think the whole Iranian community, Iranian diaspora, and inside the country, we are all against each other. is against people. People are against governments iranian inside or against people outside people outside of iran are against what is this we are ruining this this garden this beautiful garden that is persia we are doing it we're all doing it i'm not okay of, of course i'm not saying they are exceptional mm. but in general what we are doing to this beautiful country anyways i'm not sure if he was around like right right now what we would do with him probably he was he wasn't able to pay his rents i know some big um singers here famous singers, fantastic voice. they have difficulties to pay the yeah. rents
0: yeah there's that too yeah you know yeah. That. yeah yeah
4: so let's go back to um my my dream from 1979 well, 1980 well hang on a second <laughs>
0: hang on a second because i just want to say something about what you just said what 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 do we do I really believe one of the reasons, you know, I I started Rook, one of the reasons I wanted to do this, and I know that the whole team feels this way, is that um, I don't necessarily think the answer to finding some kind of global unity amongst Iranians is going to be found in politics. Uh, But I do think it can be found in culture. And it can be found in um, in a common language in, in in the arts in in what we are as a as a people and and I think that's that's the kind of work you do that that that, um, that really crosses ideological or or these sort of political lines and and finds the common ground and that's what you know I I, I hope to do because I know that you know we are deeply polarized but you know when Shajarion died we were all together when uh, the, the Team Mali is in the World Cup we're all together on Noru's we're all together culturally we're capable of that right
4: I couldn't agree with you more absolutely right I, I think uh, any revolution that is not based on cultural or culture is going to is going to not succeed is going to fail every revolution didn't ha- wasn't based on, on art and culture didn't succeed. Of course, years later. But anyway, I, I agree with you. Um, I I really need to, you allow me, before we leave the um, Silver Poet, I have to mention two people, three people. Please. First of all, my wife, Shoré, had put up with it for three years because the casting was changed like 17 times, mm. believe it or not. And then, I got to thank the, the cast they were all talented, they were so perseverance, so so willing to willing to work, and they loved the job. Thank thank them. And then the first friend that pushed me to do this was Homas Ashard mm. in Los Angeles. And he helped me a lot to be able to, you know, by then it was like 14 people on a on stage. We had um, live band on a stage. But later on, we had to cut them, cut them off, anyways. And then the second, uh, Mondana Zandian, who was the, um, then later helped me to publish this book. I told her, I'm so grateful to them, so grateful to them. And that was the first time anybody outside of my family or team was helping me to do a play.
0: Thank you for doing that. That, that that's, a, that's a beautiful thing to give the shout out to the, all those people. All right. I know you've, you've stayed, you've overstayed. Uh, you, I, I mean, I've, I've kept you here longer than you probably wanted. I'm so grateful. You had a dream. You came to the US. You're in New York in the early 80s and you have a dream of being on Broadway. What are you going to tell us about that?
4: A, a couple of months ago, I received texts or email from people I didn't know. Mr. Tuzi, I think you should audition for the part Baba for the Kite Runner. I said, oh yeah, thank you very much, but I'm so busy working on this Shahnameh. And I, you know, I, I spent $85,000 on, on something to be taped. Mm-hmm. For some reason I did not I had no experience on making movies. So anyway, no, 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 I cannot do that. And a friend of mine called me, a, a fellow actor uh, called me, Hushang, did you audition for Baba? It's brother. I said, no, no, no I, can't, no, I couldn't do that. I have no time to memorize that. I have no time to work on it. I'm depressed. And then later, same guy called me. You are making a big mistake. Hmm. You should do that. I think you are good for that part. Anyway, for some reason, I said, okay, it happened. Bosh,
0: Bosh, Bosh. I said, well,
4: exactly yeah thank you for remembering i said Boshe. and because i said Boshe, and when i make a promise i do it i go all the way so i auditioned for i called my agent i said submit me da, 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 da. so and it was on zoom i auditioned for baba and uh and by the way they made a movie i, I love the book they made the movie i didn't like it at all so anyway having that in mind uh I auditioned for Baba in a couple of days. Nothing happened. I said, as usual, I made an audition. I worked my heart out, but it didn't happen. So they um, they called back. They asked my agent if Mr. Tuzi is interested to do another part. I said it depends on the part. What is the part? General Taheri. So I read it and I said, okay, it's it's not the uh, you know it's not the leads role or one of one of the leads roles, but it's a colorful role. Mm-hmm. So I auditioned, and they kept auditioning me, <laughs> twice, three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times, eight times, and I was enjoying it because it was I was I was interacting with theater people, not movie people.
0: Hang on a second. Hang, hang on a second. Are you auditioning by Zoom, or did you go to where are you doing these? No, auditions? by Zoom. By Zoom. By Zoom. And and and, do you at this stage in your career, do you do you are you? Bothered by having to audition, or, or, do you, or do you? Of course, and I hate auditions. Yeah, and do you get uh, nervous about it at all, or no? Or, you know, uh,
4: yeah, of course, absolutely. Especially, um, um, English is my second language, and I um, neglected for so many years after I, uh, I moved back, I, I moved to Los Angeles. All I did was uh, doing plays in Farsi and speaking in Farsi.
0: But if they call you back eight times, they're clearly interested, right.
4: Absolutely. And then at the end of the day, they told me, would you like to be local hired? That means um, because they, they, they take actors who live in, uh, in New York City because they don't want to pay for the uh, first class playing. And then, you know, accommodation because it's so expensive. And blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, this is not about money for me. I, I should. I like to do it, whatever, local or high. But you know, you know, everything else is so fantastic. So this is a dream coming true after forty years.
0: So what? How? What are you going to do it? Absolutely. When? When does it win? When are you? When? When are you uh, going to?
4: Um, I'll be in New York June first, and then uh, the rehearsals start at June sixth. Um, previews start at July sixth. For a week and then performances.
0: Wow, it's about
4: 100 performances up to the end of uh, October. You're moving back to New York. I'm moving back for five months and I'm really not very excited because I have to leave my um, my home, my family, and my my two plays that I have, Silverport and Shah Nameh. But you know what? This uh, opportunity. Comes once in a life. Yeah, man, uh, you are. Ex- come on, it.
0: you are excited. Uh, uh, you are yeah, excited.
4: That, that, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so happy about it.
0: That's amazing. I'm So happy about it. That's amazing. That's a that's a that's a great story. This this is almost as good as working with David Bowie for eight days.
4: Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> and Gian, very quickly. Yeah. When, when I was working hard job in Manhattan, New York, yeah. where I was working but very close to Broadway. In that area, Forty Fourth Street and Broadway. So we had one hour for lunch. Everybody would go to a restaurant or cafe, cafe to have dinner, uh, lunch. I would get one sandwich, go around, watch all the windows of the all the theaters, and watch the pictures and read the critics. They used to um, copy it, put it in the in the window, yeah. uh, and I read them all because that was I was like crazy. But then I forgot all about it. After 40 years, this happened.
0: You're screenwriting the movie of your life there. thats a, That scene has got to be in it. You staring up at the, the billboards and, and then, you know, 40 years earlier. I mean, that's amazing.
4: So yeah. ne- never lose your hope. They say in comedy uh, Elahi, Komedi Elahi, mm-hmm. uh, it says uh, on the top of the hell. it says, <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> Hopelesses. Welcome. <laughs> so being hopeless is like being in hell.
0: It's been very, very, very uh, inspirational getting to talk to you. I, I'm honored. I'm so so thrilled that we spent this much time together. Thank you for doing this. Congratulations on all the work. And, and I'm thrilled that you'll be in New York. You're not too far from Toronto. I'm going to have to come see the show. That's Absolutely. amazing.
4: Please do. Thank you so very much. Thank, Thank you. you for having
0: me. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I hope to see you again soon. Merci.
4: Sure. Merci à
0: vous. Iranian-American playwright and actor Husheng Etozi. Uh, you've seen him in lots of uh, great American movies and TV series. One of his latest works is a, a musical play called Silver Poet, where he appears in the role of the legendary Iranian showman, poet and writer, Feiduna Farahzad, also... Look forward to seeing Husheng on Broadway this summer. Uh, that's really, really exciting to know and to see and to look forward to. Husheng Gatozi joined us from Los Angeles, California today. back on for <laughs> Captain Reza <laughs> yep. and Groovy Shia who've been yes, sitting sir. here patiently
2: yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm happy about the fact that Hushang wasn't actually listening when I was talking, and he can hear it after, and it'll save me the. That's right.
0: When he listens back to this show, <laughs>
2: it's gonna not like my impression. You're
0: referring to the fact that about an hour ago, before we started meant. the interview,
2: yes, yes, I made an impression. <laughs> Everyone of had Feridun forgotten that, but except <laughs> you. But
0: now you're bringing it back up.
2: But I'm also inspired by his uh, uh, advice to young talents: just get up and do it, man. Mm-hmm. Just get up and do it. Yeah, that was nice. That was lovely and true
0: just do it just do it Uh, that there's variations on that advice that people give which is like uh you know just keep going move forward don't stop all of that right um try writing every day something you know try try uh, uh, this kind of notion of don't um don't don't pause don't overthink it
2: yeah yeah don't overthink it. just do it Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's
3: nice what do you think about living 8 days with David
0: Bowie well he was kind of he didn't get into I was trying to (laughs) badger (laughs) him for some details (laughs) and he was playing coy you know (laughs) oh he was nice he was quiet Uh. Maybe he
2: was a, nice and quiet no Maybe I'm sure he was nice or. and quiet I mean <laughs> Bowie sounds like a
0: nice guy and everybody's ever always said that but no I I couldn't be more jealous of oh, Husheng Atosy. who cares about all his <laughs> great career stuff that he's done I mean he hung out with Bowie for think about how cool that makes Husheng how much wow, cooler yeah. he was already cool but now you know the ocean. Bowie proximity. If you're near Bowie, it you, it oozes off Bowie. It comes, <laughs> it uh, works on you. I thought it was really interesting that um, when he was talking about Ferdinand uh, Farzad and how he really wanted people to know who he was, not just as a sort of political figure or something, but as a poet and yes. an entertainer.
3: Yeah, and uh, actually, yeah, I really appreciate this uh, vision that uh, Hushang uh, try to like do it because Faridun uh, Farrokhzad his lyrics I I am talking about the lyrics like the songs that he wrote I mean it's really really ahead of his time really mm-hmm. like I mean right now if I cover one of Feridun Farrokhzad song. Uh, you wouldn't understand that it's for like forty wow. years ago. Wow. You you think that I just wrote. And why why
0: don't you do that? Why don't <laughs> you cover that? That's uh, true.
2: Do it. Do the song I, I sang. I, yeah, I, I, sorry sorry apologize. Yeah. You I know you remember.
0: probably have a very nice voice singing. Do voice, I? But you adodar You know you try you're, 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 you oh, you you do a too you, kind. You I play a character <laughs> instead of just singing the song <laughs> as Reza. Yeah, Captain Maybe Reza. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Alright listen um, It was such a pleasure To have Who Shang on the show I, I hope you guys you Get to see this The Silver Poet oh, If he performs it again You missed it When he was here I in Toronto did, It was I such did, a I'm, I'm Such a great show um, Thank you Hushang. Thanks for being on the program And uh, uh, Well it's Monday Yes Ooh. And this time this Keon's time. not here But the letters <laughs> don't, don't wait for Keon That's right they don't So stop we gotta dumbing. get to the letters It's Letter of the Week Letters of the Week Letters of the Week Letters of the Week Yeah Um, We got some letters about uh, well, We got a bunch of uh, mail about Kiosk, the band being here last week Arash uh, Subhani, um, Ali Kamali Casey Bondar and Nima Ahmadieh were in the studio performing and talking and one of the things we did was had a conversation around uh i mentioned this earlier when we we're talking to muhammad about uh, abaddon about the the fragile relationship that especially young people in iran have with hope and, uh, and hopelessness uh and actually we posted a rook moment of that you can see on our um, instagram and telegram um, channels of that conversation on video with the kiosk guys a couple of letters about that this is from nadguess Thank you all for this interesting topic. I think our society really needs to think about the power of hope in tragic moments as these days we are experiencing. As Ernst Bocke well said, the most tragic form of loss is the loss of the capacity to imagine that things could be different. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that now, I guess. This is from uh, Atafe Tabosh. Love the interview. Love Arsh as an artist. Love Arsh as a human. I wish him the band and the band Best of Luck you were the greatest I wish you, I could go to the concert I guess this was before the concert on the weekend in Toronto and to Gian I 100% believe that IRGC should be on the terrorist list on every country uh, for every country kudos to the Americans and the Trump policy to acknowledge that I wish that could happen in Canada too see the mess over the soccer game we love our soccer team and we don't want IRGC to accompany them to Canada keep shining Rook team wow well, this raises the topic of the uh, soccer yeah, game, yeah, and I want to do a, on a future episode of Rock uh, of Rock. Rock. I forgot the name of the show. Yes, uh,
2: finally, forget the name of his own show. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, I, I want to do a, a talk about this this soccer game because we, of course, were excited when the game was first announced. We talked about, uh, you know, who who would I support, Canada or or Iran, and then. Um, There was an outpouring, especially led by some of the families of the victims of Flight of 752 saying, you know what? We don't feel comfortable with this game being Mm -hmm. played in Canada. We don't think this should be here. We think this um, confers, uh, uh, creates the conditions of too much respect for the regime, allowing a friendly game being uh, played with a team that is uh, seen as an organ of the regime. We've received a lot of um, opinions about this game on, I have to say, on on both sides of this issue. There's obviously a lot of people who are passionate about the game being canceled and who are happy that the game did get canceled. And then there's a lot of folks saying, you know, let's keep sports out of this. Let's not punish the players on Team Meli. Wouldn't this be a good way to... Improve the situation. Improve relations with Iranians in general and in the West, etc. So I really actually want to do this justice and have a proper uh, mm. conversation with, with different people represented on this because um, obviously for some, some folks, it was a no-brainer. This game shouldn't happen. Yeah. And then there's other folks saying... I, I, I oppose the regime I hate the regime I why can't I go and support Team Mali and those folks don't represent me who said that you know so uh, um, it's, it's a tough one because yeah. uh, you you really want and hope for there to be unanimity on this and based on the reaction we're getting there, there really isn't no. there's a lot of different opinions uh, no I've had
2: stash. this I've shared this, I can share the same experience with you uh, I, I didn't care one way or another about the game because I'm not really a huge soccer fan so they were like oh it's going to get cancelled it's not going to get cancelled I'm like like I'm not a soccer guy But uh, I was I, I overheard a guy Talking Like being super pissed Like He uh, didn't sucks. want the ca- game He to didn't be want the game To be cancelled He was pro game He's like Screw politics Leave it out of it We're just gonna go Have a good time is good for our image and then uh, I was like, yeah, good you, you see there are a lot of people like that. So I was on the same page until a friend of mine called me just randomly and he, he was telling me he was like, yeah, so and so a vic- a member of the victim of the 752 flight. Um, um, she she slept well tonight because she they realized that at least like, the game got canceled and something came out of all that effort. And to me, I was like, you know what? Good for her. Maybe it's worth it. Screw the game. Who the hell are we to say? Like, why my happiness is worth like her. Like, no, I can, they're going to come here two years, three years from now under the same regime or different. Doesn't matter. I'm going to get my game. I'm fun. But this may be the only night that she's going to sleep.
0: I don't know about all that, but certainly when you listen to the arguments of, and, and again, I mean, um, it gets, it gets complicated. Murky. I mean, I heard somebody was making the argument. I think it was one of our team members saying, well, what if Canada had made the rule where the IRGC component, those folks couldn't have come, you know, mm-hmm. and leave that decision like you let the players come. But then the coaches mixed up. I mean, it's all I it's, I, I don't really know yes. what the answer is. Um, I do think it's a bit it's confusing because I, I presume at World Cup time. There's going to be a lot of Iranians around the world yep. supporting the Iranian team, yes. right? Yep. Um, and and they should and you know as is their right Man. to support Team Meli without being accused of not caring about seven five two, um, but at the same time. It's Again, I mean, uh, you know, you read the editorial from some of the family members of the, and, and you go, "Wow, yeah, cancel the game." I mean, yeah. right? You know, so yeah,
2: it's it's a, As I said, like I had a mixed and complicated relationship with this issue myself. I hope, it's, I hope,
0: I, I just know. always hope our community can talk about these things yeah. instead of yeah, uh, not, not just yelling at each yeah. other. You know? yeah. yeah,
2: listening, listening is key. And, and that getting, starts with you, Reza. <laughs> Please
0: start listening to Shia. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. We were in the middle of. Letter. Did you want to say something about this, show? Uh, uh,
3: I mean, if it gives hope to our community, so let's cancel let's the show. Okay.
2: Yeah. Cancel the show? i not canceling the show. <laughs> no. You mean the game? Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Let's cancel Rock. <laughs> let's can, we can cancel Rock, but not Rook. <laughs> uh, we had our contemporary history of Iran uh, episode this past week was about how the Persian language was affected and changed. Uh, after the Revolution of 1979 and We had a great guest on Dr. Khatir Shabani Who's a linguist and author And somebody who's thought a lot about these things uh, I encourage you to listen to that episode It was from this past Thursday Our Choi, as we call it a Contemporary History of Iran episode um, This from Ozzy Karami Wonderful interview. I recommended all of my colleagues who are English teachers like I am to listen to it too. I'm looking forward to more talks with Dr. Shay Bonnie. Oh, nice. And um, finally, our letter of the week.
2: Ooh, oh, letter of the week. <clears throat> <clears throat>
0: well, it's funny you should say Hamas <clears> Karanat. <throat> <throat> Why? And it's funny uh, because I'm going to invoke my father again here. Oh. I'm, uh, the name of my father, Fat Hang, you know, because. I talked about a murder there earlier in the show because of course, he was born in Abaddon and we talked about Abaddon. Well, on this episode with Dr. Shaabani, I also talked about my dad because I talked about how, and you Hamas being one <laughs> yeah. how the 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 Farsi, the Persian that I learned was from my father. for father was forty years older than me, my late father, beautiful late father. So he was growing up in Iran in the 40s 1930s 40s 50s he was you know a kid in the 30s and so he was he, he the Persian he learned was from almost a hundred years ago. He left he left Iran in the '60s God. with my mom, right? The 1960s. So the stuff that I the when I speak, yeah. you know, Manzilla man, and you guys go, uh, dude, nobody says Manzilla anymore. It's just, it's you know like uh, it's it's because I'm speaking the yeah. language that I learned from my father from a hundred years ago. You speak on the Parsi. Including <laughs> words that nobody even, like we had to do a yeah. contest to find Man. like somebody in Calgary who knew the word It is, is
2: bizarre. You don't know how to say I want water, but you say like Khamas, I <laughs> do know.
0: <laughs> I, I know how to say I no, want water. I you but my dad would say But
2: that's true. Too. Yeah, yeah. Here's another thing. Well, that actually applies today yeah, too. Abba yeah. Khordani is like Drinkable water Drinkable right? water Yeah But to, you
0: wouldn't say that in Canada Please no, bring me some <laughs> Drinkable water <laughs> You would say Just bring me some water yeah, But You can be Abba Khordani Not to get okay.
2: Melancholic and sad about it But still They're dealing with, yeah. with Abba
3: Khordani in No but in, in I mean in Tehran also We have Abba Chah And Abba Khordani Chah was for like Shostashu. Shostashu and abe Still? Like now though? Today? When I was kid It was mm. I Well know. that was a little In time Thailand ago.
2: is actually they, <laughs> It's not like Like they say you can don't drink yeah. fat. The
0: letter of the week is from Reza, uh, n- unrelated. Reza, I'm going to say Aein, A-E-I-N. Reza Aein, who says when I'm speaking about my dad, that is absolutely correct. I harnessed vocabulary that my grandparents would have used when they were young. When I used the phrase Salmouni,
4: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Instead of? Uh, a-re-sh-ka. A-re-sh-ka, I was mocked. I feel your pain, Gian. It's so funny because my dad would say Salmuni. That's all I know for the haircutters, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's an old word? That's a barber shop. Yes. Or hair salon. Right. Same right. thing barbershop is like (laughs) salmoneer salmoneer Reza Ayin you have the letter of the week thank you everybody for your posts on any of our platforms thank you for subscribing Uh, if you want to write us an email you can do so at info at rookmedia.com info at rookmedia.com this is full time for Rook for today thank you guys thank you uh, to those of you listening our website is rookmedia.com if you haven't visited it please do check out all the past episodes all the guests all the shenanigans all the serious topics and funnies are all there at rookmedia.com including all the episodes of the contemporary history of iran and unmarried persian girls rookmedia.com thanks to the amazing team who put this show together savvy roham talented anahit up onto the artist the fabulous Keon, super parisaw smart pega Aray Merdod, Captain Reza and Groovy Shaya thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content please subscribe if you have not done so already, find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi and as ever as my father would say (laughs) (laughs) Mizun (laughs) Bashi